Hello, Internet. This is Chase Wassenaar, a.k.a. the Red Shirt King, and welcome to a very special edition of the Unicorn Challenge. It's a special edition because we weren't planning on doing this. If you listened to the last podcast, you know that uh, we said, hey, we'll see you on Wednesday. There's no need to talk about these games. But then these games happened, and Walter and I were talking on Skype, and we decided we could not not talk about these games. So I, I've brought back Walter <laughs> Fedchuk for a bonus episode, if you will. Walter, how are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. It's uh, I, I'm getting over my world's hangover here <laughs> on on Monday, getting kind of my sleep schedule back to uh, back to normal, and you know, kind of relaxing until we get back into it on Thursday. Yeah, you know, we, you have to take those couple days to unwind and digest. I actually like that because the games were on Sunday, we could kind of take all of Sunday to watch it at our own pace and. You know, then just take a day, you know take a night to kind of absorb everything we just saw. It's going to be a little bit different, I think, just uh, from having to make all these quick analyses in the moment right after the games. We kind of get to reflect on it, and boy, was there a lot to reflect on. Mostly, how terrible the Unicorn Challenge is going for me is what I've reflected on <laughs> in the last few hours because my bets, which all seemed great at the time, I felt really good about my bets. I had. Flash Wolves and LGD, because really, what are the odds that Pain Gaming or TSM are going to win a game, right, guys? Right? And then you had AHQ versus Invictus. Well, Invictus just looks terrible, and I'm out on them, so that's going to go well. I had 15 on Origin. That was the one thing that worked out. And then, since you had already taken Cloud9 and CLG, I'm like, you know what? I'll just merge it together, and if I win, this could be a huge comeback mechanic. And then CLG was CLG. Oh man! It was. Uh, I got greedy there. I, I regret that. But uh, yeah, you you were at least smarter by not putting as many unicorns on this. Do you want to talk about your whole philosophy when you're making these bets? I mean, like I like I said, like this first week I was going pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually let me scroll back and see exactly what I put down. Or actually, I will just open up Unicorn's website. Yeah, you. Well, I can tell you for you. You did. A, <laughs> you put thirty on LGDKT, which you've got to feel good that at least both of those lost. It's the two-team teaser where one loses is much more frustrating than the two-team yeah. teaser where you just never had a chance in the first place. Yeah. You had 25 on AHQ, which was slightly better than my 30 on AHQ. Mm-hmm. So congrats on that. You had CLG for 10, which, you know, is what it is. But yeah, then, yeah, yeah. So, but you had so I, 9 for 10. Yeah, so I went the Eastern teams in Group D, uh, and boy, did that just did that just backfire. I, I got to say uh, – Orion and their pick ban strategy and their 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 personal team, like how they're playing the game, is just so. I say out there, but not in a negative way. Just so non-standard that I don't think any team really has a good grasp on what to ban against them or how to play against them. Uh, the AHQ one was, I mean, that was a toss-up one, and I went with the team that was the underdog. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cloud9, again, it was just, it was me just taking a gamble on an underdog, and, um, you know, that one paid off, and CLG was, again, underdog, but, uh, I was, I was pretty sure that Koo was gonna win that, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was still pretty sure about it, but just on the off chance that, you know, hey, it happens, it would have been a good bet, and I, for, for, like, ten minutes watching the pain game, I was almost positive that I had put five on, on pain, but then I remember that the odds just like weren't good enough. Yeah, they weirdly underestimated the Flash Wolves in that game. 
But now it's not so weirdly underestimated because the Flash Wolves lost. That was the, that was the weirdest part of all the odds, I think, as we were going over it yesterday, is that teams that you thought would be heavy favorites weren't favored by all that much. There, there seemed to be a lot of value on the underdogs, and then none of the underdogs really won except for Origin, which and, and, and I guess Cloud9, which thanks to both of those teams, I guess. Uh, it's, it was just it was an interesting day. Somehow three underdogs won, and we lost most of our underdog bets, which is just kind of incredible when you think about it. But, uh, but let's get into the actual games, because that's, that's why we're really here. We had six games that I felt were all really worth talking about in a level of depth that we're not going to be able to do next week when we're having to focus on one, one group big at a time. group. Yeah, so, so let's start with TSM versus LGD, and I guess the opening question I have to ask, Walter... Has TSM pulled you back in? No. No. No, but they just made, uh, they just, like, confirmed Orion and KT are the two getting out of this group. Okay, so why aren't you back in? Because as a fan yesterday, when we were Skyping during the game, you were like, why do they do this to me? Why do they continue to try to get me hyped? And then, uh, and now it seems like you've backed off of that once you've had a night to sleep on it. So why, um, why aren't you I mean, on it? They, they keep getting me hyped because they're, you know, they're hype. Like, it was hype watching that beat LGD, who is arguably the, the second favorite behind SKT. Some would argue, you know, I, I'm sure the China Talk people would say LGD are the favorite mm-hmm. uh, and did say that. Um, it, yeah, it was kind of hype watching them win. But at the end of the day, like, it wasn't because TSM, like, achieve some next level play they lgd is terrible lgd did not adapt to this patch at all tbq has been a a huge huge disappointment in terms of his play and and orion and and hermit just showed everyone how to beat lgd and it's you ban out tbq yeah it's rough and and i feel bad because as we've seen now on the subreddit there was, a, there was a post that's mysteriously disappeared about the shadiness of the coaching situation of LGD and how much the team is paying this new coach and how much was actually going on between, you know, Chris and that team. And so, so there's a lot of weird behind-the-scenes stuff that maybe we'll never get answers to. And the fact that it's just disappeared now is even more concerning because I swear I read it like two hours ago. But there's also the idea that apparently TBQ was in the hospital on Thursday. Like, he is apparently super sick, but he's better now, supposedly. Not that China would ever tell us that, you know, whatever. But it's just, you know, how bad is TBQ really, I guess, is something we're going to see. But it is, it does seem to be this thing where you ban Lee Sin, you ban Rek'Sai, and suddenly you have a victory. Yeah. Is there any reason why LGD banned Elise after those bans had gone through? Like, what was... They were trying to put... They were trying to say, okay, if you're not going to give us top two, the top, you know, two of the top three junglers, we're just going to make sure you don't get the third, and hope that Santorin can't play other champions. But I think over the course of the season, his two best champions were Gragas and Nidalee. Yeah. So I, I the Gragas, like Gragas being the next, the next kind of champion coming up is a little surprising to me because, yeah, he has the the body slam that gives him kind of an aggressive like. That aggressive early ganking style, but I just feel like Evelyn and Nidalee are, are a lot easier. It's a lot uh, it, it's a lot easier to get those early aggressive ganks off. Um, and even Dyrus had a, a an interview um, with with someone. It was either Travis. It was 
the score someone where he said like when he picked Nunu we were just like uh what like we had no idea what they were doing when they went to Nunu and I think it's just TBQ is just such a his champion pool is such a Achilles heel that I don't know if anyone really saw it coming yeah it's a tournament i mean and the thing is yeah well hermit was was on board with that on day one and it's kind of i mean we'll talk about hermit in a bit and why i think he's the the coach of the tournament so far but it is incredible to me how there was no backup plan for lgd it really seems like they had no answer to but what if we can't get lee sin or rexai and I don't know how you get to this point in Worlds and only have two junglers that you can play. Like, this hasn't necessarily... You know, TBQ's, uh, you know, champion pool has never been great, but it was never this bad, and it was never this unconfident. And, again, maybe some of this are these health issues that we're now learning about. It is possible that that is the case. There's, you know, maybe that gets better next week. But Nunu is such a safe pick. It is a pick that... Even if you're not a good jungler, you know you can get some utility on because at the very least you have the utility that comes from being able to get that consume and have it's, this basically double smite. It's and, like top lane Maokai and mid lane Orianna. It's just it's a champion that every jungler has in their pool. Just yeah. period. Yeah, and, and it's easy to play, and yet somehow he still screwed it up because he was still having terrible uh, engages in the dragon pit where he was trying to force these fights that just weren't happening in his own control, which is like the one thing Nunu does, he just didn't have. And none of this, by the way, is to try to take away from TSM, who managed to have a very good kind, you know, game for, for a good portion of it until about the 24-and-a-half-minute mark. And then the LGD Baron play comes in. Oh oh my god. Okay, (laughs) so this play, this play, the entire time I was thinking, maybe there's a chance. Like, maybe TSM's looking pretty good. The second they made that play, it just just goes to show me that they have, like, TSM has still not figured out decision making. Mm -hmm. So, at that point, you have no mana on on Twisted Fate, your Darius has no, your Darius is back, your Mordekaiser is back, like, just give up the Baron. Yeah. You're gonna lose, like you're gonna lose that team fight anyways. Just give up the Baron, deal with it, like whatever. And instead, they went and like three people died, and LGD got like four, you know, three or four turrets off the thing. If they don't go in and don't die, maybe they lose two. Like, just give up the Baron, there, guys. You're gonna lose it anyways. There's not gonna be a miracle steal, like. That that's the one thing is I understand when like teams have like one or two people up, you send one person in there if the enemy team is low to try and you know push them off the baron. But like LGD was full health, there there was no point in trying to make you know in trying to go contest that at all. Yeah, it it was weird. It was a, it was a very weird decision from a team that's made a lot of those recently. I will say I'm I'm I like the fact that TSM has fixed a lot of the early game issues that we saw. They've managed to counter the fact that Santorin doesn't do a lot of, for aggression and let Bjergsen and Wild Turtle and Lustboy kind of have more freedom to go around the map and push these early objectives and try to get advantages in other ways. It, it's not going to work against better teams. I can't imagine KT Roaster or Origin letting them get away with this. And even LGD, I have a feeling LGD is going to be better next week 
just mm-hmm. because, you know, when your coach is inexperienced and now you have a week worth of substantial evidence of how this competitive thing is going to work, it's, it's, a, it's a big jump. You have the ability to make a big jump. But, but here, here's the thing. And this is why the TSM win is so good for, for KT and, uh, and Orion. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just assume that Orion and KT beat TSM again. Yeah. Maybe it's stupid of me, but that puts Orion at 4-0 four, at four and that puts KT at 3-1. and one. The best that LGD can do is get 3-1, and one, or is be 3-3. Three and three. Mm-hmm. Um, So they would have to pray that KT also loses to Orion the second time. Yes. Which I'm not sure that would happen. It, it, at the very least, it is not a given. It's not yeah. something that you can depend on. If you're, if you're LGD, getting out of this group is nearly an impossibility at this point. You're, you're, re- you're relying on Orion to beat KT a second time, and you beat all three teams. That, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. But, and even then, it's, you, you then have a tiebreaker. And I'm not yeah. sure you win that tiebreaker. You've no. got to beat KT twice. I don't think anyone beats – I don't think – I don't think LGD, the way they're playing right now, beats KT twice. KT's no. vision game is just so good and nope. just leaves so few holes. I, I agree with you. I think that this was clearly the game between the two weakest teams in this group. I think that while TSM's win is a good you know, win for confidence and everything else, it still had a lot of those flaws. I think, for the record, that giving Wild Turtle a champion in which he can flash in wildly into fights and it's not going to punish him <laughs> was a really smart move. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen again between now and the end of the tournament. But really, even if I thought the TSM had an amazing game, when you watch that KT Origin game, I think that was the best game of the tournament so far. Oh, that was that was fantastic, and that was I think the epitome of what um, what Orion is trying to do. Mm-hmm. And it's just. We know we're not the best team fighting team here. We know that a lot of these teams are better team fighting teams. So we're just not going to team fight. We're just going to keep split pushing. We're going to keep split pushing. And then we're going to teleport in like when you guys try and start a fight. Like they're just playing so well. Just and, so, so, so strategically well. And the brilliant part about it is, and I think this is, this is one of those theories. I'm going to have Adele Chouadria on the podcast tomorrow. And I'm going to talk to him about his theories for this. But my big theory as to why China hasn't been doing very well and some Western teams have, it seems like there's a huge emphasis in this tournament on targeting your band specifically for your opponent and targeting yeah. your play style specifically for your opponent. You know, when, the, when Origin played TSM, they bring out this Anivia pick. It's a full team fight comp. They're, you know, they just force these these long engages, and they know that they're going to win because they know they're the better team-fighting team, and they've built for that. When they play against LGD, it was preying upon TBQ. It was taking advantage of some of those predictable pathing things mm-hmm. and, and using that to push their objectives. With KT Rolster, they said to themselves, man, this team's super good on vision, especially towards Dragon, but you know what they almost never ward early? Baron. Let's just go for Baron. And it's not like it was a risk-free Baron. You know, a lot of people, you know, it's kind of got this revisionist thing of like, oh, man, KT ne- could have never seen it coming. Even You know, it's, it's such a brilliant it, – it, it carried a risk. At any point, if they had figured out what was going on, if they had 
come over to that fight, I think KT had been getting these kills. It would have been a very close fight. At the very least, it wouldn't have been able to be such a convincing barren power play. And they just came too late. And and somehow, you know, and I think this is rarer than a unicorn sighting, Pickaboo misplayed that whole thing and and headbutted Xpeke out of the barren pit. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I can't remember the last time Pickaboo screwed up a fight that badly. But it just gave Origin all five guys with Baron, double teleport, split pushing team, and yeah. KT just never recovered. I mean, yeah. when you look at KT, I mean, is there something you can take solace in as to how this game went? Or do you, you know, do you have to look at this and say, man, we just got mind gamed here? I mean, they just. Like you said, they knew how KT wanted wanted to play with their vision. I think that there was there was one play that was absolutely fantastic in this game was that KT had just set up vision around, I think it was the third dragon of the game, third or fourth, and Soaz was pushing down top lane. And all of Orion just go top lane. And KT, after getting all their vision, swing, and you see them swing through the minions at mid lane, and there's like one ward in their jungle over the wall from wolves into that lane, and all of a sudden you see all of KT funnel up in there, and the second that that's happening, Orion are already in mid lane going back to Dragon, and they just completely fake out KT for going for that top inner tower and instead swing and go back to Dragon and take Dragon. I thought it was just one, it was, it was so insanely clever. Yeah, it, it, and it, it was it was phenomenal, especially when you compare it to like, you know, we saw the what was it? I think Twisted Fate was in that pain gaming uh, Flash Wolves game. And not yeah. not that you're ever going to compare pain gaming and what Kami is able to do to anything that Origin's doing right now. But you saw like, how did Kami use his ult? Oh, well, he ran. He was in top lane split pushing, ran down to the middle of the teleported to the middle of the map for just to clear a wave, and then used his ultimate to go back to top lane and continue split pushing? Yeah, that's... That's the wrong way to do it. The way that Origin was just so... You know, they just kept using these ults for these mind games and putting KT in a position where it was very... It was impossible to pin this team down. And sure, you know, did... Did someday get fed the way that, you know, you would think if you're KT, this is the path to victory? Yeah, he did. Those early skirmishes went really well because KT's vision control is still really, really good. But once they got those towers from the Baron, it's, it's that same thing that we've been talking about throughout this tournament, where as soon as those towers go down, it is so much easier to get vision. It is so much easier to gank. And when you're a team with so many different teleports and so many different ways to get around the map all the time... That's huge. And I think that KT really underestimated how much they were giving up. Sure, they were pretty even in gold because they were winning and they were getting these, you know, winning in the, in the skirmishes and getting these two-for-nothing fights all across the map. But the objectives they gave up as a trade, you know, you know, there's always that argument back in the day of, well, the towers are still around. They can just get the towers later and then they'll have the lead. But they never got that chance. because They were just, really bad at taking towers. Yeah. They're really bad at fighting around trying to get towers and, and manipulating manipulating Orion in a way that they could actually get those towers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think from this group, um, Orion and KT have asserted themselves as 
favorites now. As you know, if we if we were saying before before this weekend, your favorites to win were SKT, LGD, EDG, and IG. Mm-hmm. It was like those four, and then KT was kind of like a distant fifth. Yeah, I think that now becomes SKT, EDG, Orient, and KT. I agree. After and I know it's small sample size; it's three best of ones, but I I don't know. Just the, the, the macro-level play of KT and Orion just seems a step above everyone, including SKT and EDG. But I just think SKT and EDG, uh, their level of competition hasn't been high enough for them really to care about like a high-level macro. Yeah, and that's the thing. We'll have to see when these guys get out of groups. I, I really hope that we don't see any of these teams have to play each other in the quarterfinals because would, it would be such a beautiful – like. Origin versus EDG, and then SKT versus KT Rolster in the semis would just be so much fun. Well, I'm, I'm assuming one of them is going to accidentally get paired with the other, and it's going to be quite a shame. But, yeah. it's, uh, but it's just it's one of those things where every one of those teams does something really well. KT Rolster plays the early game br- as brilliantly as anyone. and They've got this great top laner. They've got an amazing support. They have this incredible understanding of vision control and how to – get these skirmishes deep in the, in the enemy jungle and throw them off their game. You have EDG, who are just these brilliant team fighters. And we didn't really get to see it in their game against SKT because they got snowballed pretty early. Yeah. But in every other game, they've been so methodical in these fights. And just every little advantage, they just take it and they, they destroy their opponent and then move on. And, and SKT is SKT, I think. Mario and Faker are just making a name for themselves and just racking up those those CDAs. <laughs> but then Origin, and, and this is why I like Origin so much. I mean, this has been three different Origin teams. They've yeah. played this game three different ways, and all of them worked because all of them were really good. And yeah. in a best of five situation, this is what the, you know. And, and you know, again, we we've been talking about how we liked Hermit before this tournament. Yeah. I am I'm fanboying at this point. Like I am at that level of you know, like I'm not ready to to betray Rocket yet as my favorite team, but like there will always be a place for for Origin in my heart after the way that they're just coming up with these game plans and in a best of 5 situation, I think that's a huge advantage. I think having a coach that understands all of these different combinations of champions and how they can all work within the same meta depending on what the enemy is trying to do and just counteract these things and, and trick teams into taking the things that you want them to take. I don't know. It just seems like he prepared origin the best of any team's prep going into this tournament. <laughs> they, they just, they knew everything about the three teams that are going to play. And now you're going to give them a week for whoever their opponent is in the quarterfinals where he can do nothing but prepare a five game strategy for them. I, I, I wouldn't want Origin. I would not want Origin in, in my uh, in a best of five. That's that's a scary Pro- thing. Probably to not. I mean, to to be honest, it like I said, how do you prepare against them? Like, who are you going to scrim against that's going to like prepare you for Orion? Maybe Fnatic, but like even Fnatic isn't as Orion has taken what old school Fnatic was to like another level. To like like they kind of offshoot it off of it. Mm-hmm. So I just I don't know. I think that they have a an advantage in terms of they aren't playing like a very very simple style that you can easily prepare for. Yeah, you you can't pin them down, and I think that's huge. Uh, on the other hand, you can totally pin down AHQ, which is the next game we need to talk about. 
that AHQ Invictus game, this was another one of those games where I feel like the only winner was the audience when it was over. <laughs> and I say that as an Invictus fan, but by the way, look what happens when you ban Fizz. It, it, it's kind of incredible just how far Westor falls off, huh? I, I mean, it's... It struck me – I mean I want to hear where you came out of this game, but my biggest takeaway was just how lost AHQ looks when they're not able to dictate the pace of the game. Is that is that fair? Just- no. I Yeah, their their wins have been them dic- like them straight up saying this is what we want to do. Like this is how we want to play. This is how you're going to play against us. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, they weren't able to do that with Invictus because – you know, Cacao was actually able to kind of play like Cacao. Yeah. You know, he was actually able to be a little bit of a aggr- you know a little bit aggressive. He was able to actually go and make some plays. And uh, ZZ Tai had a field day with Ziv. Mm-hmm. Play, you know, Shannon the Maokai is not like an easy kill lane, but man, he was just he was throwing Ziv around. It was it was weird to see Ziv underperform as much as he did. I yeah. think a lot of that was. How much you know they they Invictus really made it a point to get ZZ Tide going in the early game. Yeah, Ziv was left entirely on his own, got zero help. They just kind of you know in the LMS, it's been one of those things. You know, I talked about this with Obscurica, but it was he was left on his own most of the time. He would handle yeah. these one v two fights and he would handle it well because well, it's the LMS. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not the Flash Wolves, you probably didn't have much of a shot in 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 pun you know in really taking advantage of those kinds of situations, but. Yeah. You know, this is a, this is a world class team. That you're not going to get away with it, and they certainly didn't here. It, it felt like because Invictus targeted their bands so well, AHQ ended up having to spend all of their bands on you know the Gangplank and the Mordekaiser. You know these things that they they couldn't afford to let through, but doesn't actually stop any of the things that Invictus wanted to have happen for their team. Yeah. And, and that that Kennen man, Kennen became a pick this week. Uh, to, I mean, yesterday, all out of nowhere. Kennen, Kennen's Kennen's always been like an Eastern support, especially with uh, Callista, mm-hmm. because the the combination between the W, mm-hmm. the Sentinel, the the when they auto attack the same the same target is really really strong because Kennen is such a poke auto attack harass kind of champion. Mm-hmm. Um. Beyond that, I just think I think this group in particular has the teams that have the biggest flaws to, yes. to exploit, and I think it shows in the fact that there's one team that's three and zero, and the other teams are one and two. <laughs> yeah, and that team that's three and zero is a team that we thought was going to go zero and six. Yeah, and I, I we'll have to get to that in a second. Like like I I G one, yeah, but you know it was because they focused so hard on on IG and Ki- on uh, kid and kitties mm-hmm. and like making sure they had a good game and i just think that on and elbus were under underperforming well, like they underperformed this game that's the thing about elvis is that you know he was a former jungler right so his thing he's not a great laner that's not his skill set his skill set is in banking and creating plays in those kinds of ways and He's not able to do that if he's stuck in lane. And I understand the theory, right? You say, well, Kitty's is really bad. You can throw Kit off. Just keep Albus in lane. We should be able to win that 2v2 because it's a much easier 2v2 to win. But you couldn't win that 2v2 because it requires AHQ to play in a style that's so not them. 
Yeah. It's, it's so it, – it just showed to me a lack of understanding in their team composition, kind of in the same way that their first game against Fnatic – well, I mean, uh, it's not, not against Fnatic, against Cloud9. Cloud9 was the same thing. It was this idea of we have these pieces, but we're not really sure how they fit, and if things don't go perfectly, it's not going to work. And yet, incredibly, Invictus still almost screwed up this whole thing with one of the worst Baron throws <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, um – I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm not really like again, LMS has not shown me anything that makes me want to be like, "Oh yeah, like they're a really really good fifth power region." I'm sorry, Obscura, I'm sorry to you, I'm sorry to everyone who else who watches LMS. But like this is the one time a year that I really am really exposed to to the LMS. Mm-hmm. And if this is your top two teams and how inconsistent they are on a, on the professional stage, like They've had one, like, each team has had one good day, and the other two days have been awful. They've just played awful. It's been weird. And I I like the LMS. I watch as much LMS as I can. It is definitely the region I watch the least over the course of the year. On the one hand, I don't want to try to make any excuses. Like, I don't think this is a Taipei Assassin situation where the clearly better team is just underperforming like crazy. I don't think this was AHQ underperforming. I think the problem with the LMS as a region that has always really been the case, and we forgot about it for a little bit just because Season 2 surprised all of us, but they're only playing teams within their own region. They're in, mechanically, they're great because they all play Korean solo queue and they're all challenger-tier solo queue players. Westor was the number one you know, on the Korean ladder for quite a while. You know, These guys are really, really good individually. But as a team, they get away with things in their league that you can't get away with here. Exactly. AHQ had this crazy ganking style that allowed them to roam around the map all the time. But you just can't play that way every game against world-class opponents. Now, do you, you, know, do you necessarily blame them for you know, playing that way when it was working so well for them in the LMS? I don't know. I, I think it comes back to that whole sandbagging conversation we had uh, on the last podcast where it's, you know, do you play the things that you know work or do you play the things where you can learn more on a world's level and kind of figure some stuff out about how compositions come together and hope that the information you get, even if you lose, is worth that loss and worth that risk. And in the LMS, they played to their comfort level and it's coming back to haunt them right now. Mm -hmm. But I I would say... The, the one thing that I would say is I don't think that AHQ is playing any worse than anyone else in Group B. Like, when I think about losing power region status, like the idea that, you know, they don't deserve the two spots that they got, I'd have to say that they were, you know, particularly outclassed by the other teams in their region. I don't think Fnatic's any more consistent than AHQ is right now. I don't think Invictus is any more consistent than AHQ is right now. Every single one of those teams had oh, yeah, yeah, one yeah. good day. And Invictus's good day wasn't even that good of a day. They still almost blew it on the Baron. So, I, you know, I, I think that as a power region, they're fine. It's just never going to be a top-tier team. You know, one of these big four, you know, kind of teams that we can see going far in the playoffs until they figure out how to make up for the fact that the bottom of their region is just still really not good. And getting out of the, the same problem as NA. Yes. It's exactly the NA problem. Except apparently when Cloud9 is a thing, because Cloud9 is a thing, and we, that, I guess, gives us the perfect segue. 
Cloud Nine just never give up, man. What when you watch this game, you have the same reaction that I did when I was watching live, which is that you know we watched this game on recording because we decided to finally give ourselves a day of sleep yesterday, and we both said, "How in the world does Cloud Nine win this game?" Fnatic is so far ahead. Come on, AJ, and welcome to the J. Come on and slay. And Who would have guessed that the first pentakill of the entire world championship would belong to balls? I guess it's no longer the most vulnerable part of all our bodies, huh? Is that what that means? Have we? Have we? Uh, he's the most vulnerable part of Cloud Nine. I that <laughs> I, I'm I am joking. Incredible. I, I I don't. It's. It's funny to me that Balls is getting so much credit for this pentakill when it's just the stereotypical Darius gets all the executes play because everyone just tries to fight right on top of him for reasons I'll never understand. <laughs> the, the best part was watching the, the video like at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was the, like, the play of the day and listening to the team be like, oh, oh, you, oh wow, you got a pentakill. Oh, huh. <laughs> even he's like, oh shit! Like, yeah, well, that, that, that's why they turn to each other. We're like laughing at the end of the game. Like that happened. Like, and then, and then high, and then high's like, end, end. <laughs> high and Lemon are both like, end the game, end the game. <laughs> my, Let's just get this thing over. With. My favorite part was uh, was balls in the interview saying that uh, that this group was easier than uh, Diamond Two in, in uh, Korea. I thought that was <laughs> that was a great. It's a great. It's good when you can laugh at yourself for these kinds of things, but it. Oh, I, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, like, does this feel like a Cloud Nine victory to you? When when you look over the tape and you look <laughs> None at of these, have felt like Cloud Nine. <laughs> no, Cloud Nine is doing the same thing Orient has been doing. Is they're just exploiting weaknesses in in the other team and the in the other three teams and the other three teams' weaknesses, their inability to win games against Cloud Nine. <laughs> it really is this weird kind of situation, right? Because. Why did they beat AHQ? Well, AHQ went all in on this weird comp, and oh, by the way, Sneaky can kill on an Albus if they're stuck in a traditional 2v2 lane over and over again. Well, how did they beat Invictus? Well, Kid and Kitties aren't particularly good, so you kind of do the same thing. And then why do you beat Fnatic? Well, Fnatic will throw two Barons, I guess. Just count. You can count on that repeatedly, you know? I, and the funny thing is that Cloud9 is going to get out of this group. They are. They're almost guaranteed at this point, right? Because these teams are all one and two. They all have to play each other. So, mm-hmm. so let's say in some theoretical world, one of these teams goes three and oh. That only puts them at four and two. Yep. That would put another team at three and three and another team at two and four if all of them beat Cloud9. And yeah. Cloud9 went to three and three. Cloud9, Cloud9 needs one game. They're Cloud9 all... wins one game and they make it out of groups. Yeah, and they have four chances to do it because they're guaranteed Three. a tiebreaker, worst case scenario. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, Cloud9's getting out of this group. Um, actually... This is really, really weird. Actually, yeah, no. Because yeah, they, yeah, they, they all have to play each other. So it's, it's really, really weird that this is where we are. Especially because I'm pretty sure Bubba Dub still doesn't do anything for this team. Have we heard anything about what his his coaching role is? Because we know Lemon Nation is doing picks and bans. Uh, he is up there looking fabulous. He is. It's it's a great mustache. But like I guess we you know we could talk about Cloud Nine. I, I mean we 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 honestly don't know what's going behind the scene beyond back behind the scenes. I mean it, him and Lemon Nation could probably be sitting there and bouncing ideas back and forth off each other. I remember that when Charlie first came in, that was what he did mm-hmm. was that they would they would bounce ideas. Uh, 
back and forth between each other and, you know, consider, you know, oh, it, yeah, you know, maybe this maybe this pick isn't as good as we think it is because of this and this. So he was a sounding board, and I think that's probably what Bubba Dub is doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the real thing is just, Ben, they finally have, have – like they're finally used to listening to high shot calling and they're starting to pick up on everything that he's saying before, um, like before high is about to do it. Like they're all working together and they're like, okay, high is probably going to call this. So let's all go do this. And high calls it as they're already moving towards doing something. Um, I just think they're used to playing with each other. And, and, uh, Ryan Tan on Twitter last night made a very good point in that they are, um, they are protecting balls, and they're playing around balls, and they're hiding that weakness so well by playing these kind of, all right, you're going to go beat up on balls. Well, he's just going to get to end up freezing this under the inner tower, and we're just going to play four on four and 4v5 the rest of the game until we need him to get into a team fight. And he's just doing his job of being this large, tanky Darius in front of everything and you know, putting out what damage he can and soaking up abilities and soaking up damage. Yeah. And, and, you know, is that going to work every game for this whole world championship? No, obviously not. In a best of five, I think teams that are able to, you know, l- you know look at the film and look at how Cloud9's won these games, someone's going to realize that you just don't let balls freeze the lane and really just, you know, go full Darius on it and just camp, 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 camp. Yeah. And, you know, hard push whatever lane you put balls in. And, and then I don't know what Cloud9's answer is. They'll, they'll, they'll have to figure that out. I wonder, you know, you, you know, how, you know, are we going to see adjustments next week? Is that something where De- Delior needs to definitely adjust? I don't know why they picked Jasso. De- Delior needs to adjust a lot of things, and I, and I guess this is a good time to talk about Fnatic here because you know we can joke about, man, how crazy is it that Cloud9 kept getting these Baron steals and and pulled back this game that it really looked like Fnatic had full control over. But on the other hand, you know, Cloud9 can't get back into this game if. Fnatic doesn't hold the door open, and this is the second day in a row where they just they can't seem to capitalize on any of the leads they get for themselves across the map. Yeah. When you look at Fnatic, what do you think is is really plaguing this team right now? Uh, they're Huni and Huni in particular is playing way too cocky. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just playing way too cocky, and he, he I think he's gotten his reality check. I think. Everyone is going to – I think Yellowstar and Rainover in particular are going to kind of yell at him Mm -hmm. uh, this week and be like, listen, like, you can't be playing like this. You're not Marin. You're not this god tier. Like, we have to remember this is his, like, first, like, real international competition, right, other than MSI. Like, he – and that was – he was playing completely different. Like, they are playing a completely different style then. You know, now he needs to be smart. He needs to realize that top lane is – the most snowbally of all the lanes, and he needs to play intelligently. He needs to pick his spots and, you know, listen to the rest of the team and go from there. Yeah, and that's one of those things that people forget how much the meta has changed since Huni had that, you know, one v two turnaround on the Faker gank against SKT. Like this is, this is a different kind of of champion and a different kind of game that Huni's having to play in all these things. And Yasuo is not. That's not the answer. To, to the, you know, Hooney's kind of play style. You're encouraging, you know, all these these dashes and this really aggressive in-your-face play style. And meanwhile, you know, how, much, how many ranged abilities was he really able to block with his win wall? I mean, you've got, I guess, I mean, you've got the Tristana stuff. That's cool. I guess you block the Morgana Q. But the soldiers can just move around it. 
Darius doesn't care. Lee Sin mm-hmm. doesn't care. It's just it was a weird pick, given what they already knew that Cloud Nine had. And it, you know, like what did you not think Incarnation could play Azir? It was just it was weird. I don't think that composition came together particularly well, and I don't know what Fnatic needs to do over the course of this next week to to get Huni on track and get this team back on the same page, but. They've got to do this sooner rather than later. They're lucky enough that Invictus and AHQ have both stumbled equally so far. But this is was supposed to be their group to lose, and right now they're losing it. Yeah. And if they don't figure out what they can, you know, what they can do to get back to where they need to be mentally, you know, playing three day games in a row isn't going to make this any easier. The 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 way that these next group days go, they have until. Uh, they're actually the Sunday game, so they've got a little bit of time, but they've got to figure all this stuff out because otherwise this is going to be a very long, long day for uh, for this team. Should we? Is it time to move on to, to Group A? I, I think Cloud9 and I think Fnatic are the two that get out of this group. Really? You're still in on Fnatic? I think Fnatic's issues are not champion-based and not strat- like actual macro strategy-based. I think it's overconfidence and ego. And I think Delier is going to get the and, and the one the Yasuo champion pick made no sense. Um, I think you said it right. You just ban Fizz against Westar, and you can Fnatic spot lane can abuse Invictus's bot lane. Like I think those are two very very obvious flaws for AHQ and Invictus. And I think Fnatic has doesn't have that obvious of a flaw. I think like you said, Fnatic is beating themselves. Yeah, and they just need to stop. So the only thing I, I think it's Cotton and Fnatic. The only thing I could think about is if uh, Kakao, you know, he may have that interview where he said, oh, yeah, I'm finally playing aggressive junglers again. The team's finally letting me do that. Like, if Kakao goes full on Season 4, all bets are off. That, that is a pot. It is in play. It seems to be the way that he wants to play. But it'll be up to the team to see if maybe they're more willing to try to hide Kid and Kitty's weaknesses by just letting Kakao be that more aggressive force and letting ZZ tie you know, play a little bit more aggressively on his, his end as well. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, a game that we thought was going to be very interesting to see and then turned out to be much, much more straightforward was the Koo Tigers versus CLG. Everyone had proclaimed the death of the Koo Tigers after that Flash Wolves victory, but mm-hmm. uh, that turned out to be a mistake. Uh, when you watch this game, what stood out to you as the thing that really pushed this game so thoroughly in favor of who? This yesterday was all about exposing teams' weaknesses, and it was that CLG, uh, that Pobelter does not have a champion outside of Lulu right now, mm-hmm. and that uh, Aphromoo is still prone to making some over-aggressive uh, and very egregious mistakes uh, outside of laning. That I, I really didn't understand like the Blitzcrane pickup much at all. Um, it was it was weird. I don't know why they would do it. I, I don't understand it at all. I don't understand what it did for that team composition. It, it felt or, like cockiness. Like Blitzcrank yeah. is what you do when you want to style on somebody. And yeah. it's like Aphromoo saw that game from uh, Gorilla the day before and said, Oh, he's supposed to be some great support. People are complaining that I was higher than him in the thing. Well, I'll show him. Yeah, and yeah. You showed us Aphromoo. You showed us exactly why people were complaining about those ranks. Yeah, I mean, I, 
Yeah. It's so especially after that W nerf. Like as Crepo was saying, that speed boost, the way that it hurts you if you don't time it perfectly, is so bad that most players don't even take it anymore. <laughs> Why like there are so many other champions, you know, Thresh exists. Like you have so many you know, even Nautilus exists, who we haven't even seen in this tournament. Like there are other champions with hooks that allow you to get into some of these fights with that kind of initiation. Blitzcrank just made no sense and I also do want to give credit, though, to Koo Tigers, who I think made a really inspired pick with that Kennen top. I think that really convinced CLG that there was going to be a Kennen support and maybe the Blitzcrank ties to take advantage of, you know, Kennen's... Yeah, that, you know, that was entirely what it was. But, but again, there's just so many better ways to do it. And then Smeb just destroyed Zion's Olaf. I mean, it yeah. is, is Zion a concern for you? When you look at CLG going forward at this point, no, this was this was Koo doing something very intelligent and playing an AP range top laner against all these warriors. Mm -hmm. This is how you counter all of them, everyone. The Lulus, the Kennens, Lissandra. I think Echo top lane could be very good too against them. Yeah, I think Rise uh, top too. We saw how good Rise, Rise was. I'm amazed that we haven't seen Rise top. I'm telling, I, I'm saying right now, if a team wants to get ahead of the curve, it's that you need to start playing these AP top laners uh, into these into these uh, juggernauts, into these warriors. Like right now, if any analyst or coach or anything listens, Vladimir, we saw how good Soaz's Vladimir was. Mm -hmm. Like that's how you beat these kind of warriors top lane. You get your 1v1 lane and you just abuse them early on. And, yeah, sure, like, Olaf can still run at Prey, and, like, Olaf is still a great counter to Ash. but if you're that far behind where you don't have your item, like, look at the item, like, the item discrepancy at the end of the game, Olaf had Black Cleaver, had Merc Treads, had Spectre's Cowl, and a Ruby Crystal. Smed had Abyssal, Zonia's, Home Guarded uh, Sorcerer's Shoes, and almost had a Void Staff. Yeah. Kuro had... A death cap, an abyssal, a perfect hex core, and another needlessly large rod. Like it doesn't matter that Olaf can just run into you, like can run into the team. He dies the second he gets into the middle of the team. So absolutely, and it did seem like CLG took way too long to start specking into magic resist. Like once some of those early fights started going the other way, you've really got to start itemizing uh, with the understanding of Kennen and Victor can just do so much damage and the ash arrows can do damage and it you just you have to start planning around this and they just never did I, yeah. I you know and i and i get it the idea you know if you spec in a defense then you'll just never win these fights you'll just stop losing them quite as badly but mm -hmm. at that point when you're when you're down 5-0 in kills at the 15 minute mark and then there's a 4-0 coup victory like now it's 9-0 right after 15 minutes you need to get to the late game. You're not winning the mid game anymore. You're way too far behind. Things have things have gone off rails. You can either try to salvage it, try to get some, you know, get some dragons, get some other objectives, try to pull it over, you know, in the long run, or you just let the team keep snowballing with you on these AP damage comps that are going to scale super well into that mid game power spike. So Q, Q had ten kills in a row before CLG finally got one. Yeah. No, it was really, really bad. And that and that CLG first kill, what I mean, when actually was it even? I don't even remember. Oh, uh, CLG's first kill happened at like twenty twenty minutes. 
and it was Elise killing Kennen in the top oh, lane, yeah. I believe. You're, yeah, yeah, you're right. It was uh, it was weird. It was it was by and, and by that point, then guess what? You had a you had another Smeb cut, catch out. You had a three zero near the Baron pit. You had a three zero. It just it, it was so overwhelmingly in Ku's favor by that point that every fight was going their way, and it wasn't even particularly close. And even when CLG could get a gank, you just had these perfect prey arrows from across the map. I'm not usually a big prey guy, but he had a very good game yesterday. And I yeah. think Ash is exactly the kind of champion that he wants to play on in the long run. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was a lot of fun to see that. Do you, looking at both of these teams, right now they're both obviously 2-1 and one in this group, which one do you have the most confidence to stay there and get out of this group? Or do you think that both of these teams can I, Both of them make it out. Yeah. Both, both, both of these teams make it out. Um, I think Flash Wolves, while as good as they've been playing, um, they still have very obvious like mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, very obvious things that you can abuse. And Payne, congratulations, they got their first win! Yeah, that's but, that, that's where we get to end on, and I, I do want to talk about that. This was one of those wins where, you know, if you're from Brazil, you've got to be ecstatic. Because there were so many people that were bringing up the point of like, well, you know, that whole Kaboom win last year was really a lot of factors going the right way. And, you know, it, it took a really, really bad game from Alliance and terrible champion picks on their part. Like, so many things had to break right. And this pain game... Like, I didn't feel there, – there was no cheese. There was nothing that, you know, threw Flash Wolves off their game so badly that you couldn't have expected. They just outplayed the Flash Wolves, which for – you know, if you're, if you're pain gaming or you're a, a Brazilian fan, that's got to be a really promising sign for your region, even if it wasn't quite as secure of a victory as you would hope it would be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, right towards the end there, they had uh, a pretty big mistake um, where they, you know, gave up Baron, gave up a, an inhibitor and uh, a couple towers in the mid lane. Like, it was rough. I, or top lane, I think. Mm-hmm. What I it, thought they were going to lose. Like, I thought Flash Wolves would just, had just bounce it right there, but uh, they played smart. They utilized the, the double TPs and, they, and, and the Twisted Fate, and they got back into it, and they were just, you know, able to win the game. It's such an interesting team when you look at pain gaming because their micro is is good. This is a team, you know, we've seen Mylon duel some of these high-quality top laners. He's had yeah. some very good matchups. BRTD can hold his own against all but, you know, maybe double lift in this mm-hmm. particular group. We saw, you know, Kami, ha- you know, you made the joke about Brazilian faker. The casters are making the Brazilian faker comments like – it, it's it's a, he's looked good. He's obviously not Faker, but he is good, and it's kind of fun to watch him continuously pull off more plays than I think a lot of people expected from him. But then you just look at how poorly they played the macro game, and how many turrets they gave up unnecessarily, and yeah. you know, Mylon going for that five man gnarl with nobody next to him. Nobody around, no way to close in. <laughs> I, I, it was really just like, I want to look really cool on, on the stream. I, I don't think he thought his team was going um, was gonna to start Baron. Like, I, thought his, I, I think he honestly thought his team was going to follow up, they were going to get a couple kills, and then they were going to do Baron. Well, it's not like they, he could have turned and asked him. Like, how are you that off on your communication? He's probably saying, go, 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 and everyone else is not listening to him. <laughs> Someone pinged Baron, 
then they started doing Baron, like which which was just an amazingly terrible call given how much health that Baron had. Like there was no way they were going to yeah. rush it down in the in the time that Mylon could take to distract those guys. They didn't have enough power in their composition. But it no. it was just one of those things where you know the criticism we heard about Pain going into this tournament was, man, they're terrible at playing the map. These victories took forever, with the exception of that best of three victory, you know, best of five victory that they did in three games, I should say, against Chaos Latin. They weren't winning games before the forty-something minute mark. Yeah, and now you see why. They even when they're mechanically better, when their team composition is working better, you know, it just they can't pull this off. On the other hand, you look at Flash Wolves, and I kind of feel the same way about this Flash Wolves composition. As I did about AHQ's composition about you know against Cloud Nine in day one, like what was this team trying to do? Like they're not really a poke composition. It was a pick, it's a pick comp. I mean, but but it's not like it was it was an awkward pick comp, but it was a, a pick comp. It's a really awkward pick comp. Um, I think the only like really awkward thing about it is like the Rexi, but the Rex, and, and I'm not sure didn't have a lease. Yeah, uh, yeah, the Elise was banned. I, I, I mean, guess you would think, uh, you know, like a Lee Sin kick or something would have been more valuable there. Sin, I'm, I'm really surprised that Evelyn isn't being played. Yeah, isn't that kind of weird? I'm really surprised that that's not like, because she she just fits. Like back when it was Lee Sin and Elise uh, last year, Evelyn was like the third the third choice. Mm-hmm. Like if you didn't get the first two, you went to Evelyn or Rexai. Um, now it's like, you're going to Gragas. I, I just, I don't see why they aren't going to the Evelyn. You know, I, I just don't understand it. You know, someone Is it are, work control? Like, I, I don't know. I, I guess there's some movement away from the Runeglaive as a general rule, thanks to the, the buff to the warrior enhancement, but it's not like, like you wouldn't think 5 AD would make Evelyn worthless, right? Like compared to... Where these things are, and it's not like Gragas or Rexai are taking the warrior enchantment. So Evelyn's no less of a counter to them than was already the case. It's 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 weird. And I, I do think, you know, people have brought up on the subreddit how many unique champions are being played right now. I think it's, it's fantastic. We I, it is so much fun, man. I, I will say this. I, I we don't usually get to just talk about how much we're enjoying like a particular meta. And I know there were a lot of people, I know Wildhawk in particular on Twitter was very critical of where the meta was going and how that was going to affect worlds. But this is just so much fun because there, there's so many different combinations, all of which happen to be viable in interesting ways when you counter with the right kind of champions. And it's, uh, and it's, I think the jungle is the one space where there's still a lot of room left for innovation. I think yeah, we, right we've now seen... we've seen the same four or five guys. We've seen Rex, well, four Rexai, Gragas, Leeson, and Elise. Yeah, and then uh, the one like new new game. Yeah, there was the new new game. There was an Italy game. Like, was there really? An, there was. I don't one remember there being a game, game, and it was really not great. I'm I'm going to go double check Oracle's Elixir real quick. I'm going to uh, oh yeah, because Oracle's Elixir is that awesome site that uh, has our good friend Tim Sevenhusen, who I've podcasted with multiple times. Yes, and who has all sorts of wonderful stats. That you should totally be going to check so, out. So, in order, in order of number of games played, Elise has played 15 times out of 16 games? Mm-hmm. I think? I don't yeah. know. Well, no, more than 16. You're, you're Way more than, than 16. Yeah, I was going to say. So, that's that's three. Okay, I don't even want to do the math, but a, lo- a lot of games. 24. But, 
Okay, so 15 out of 24. Uh, next is Rek'Sai in 11. Then Gragas in 9. Leeson in 5. Skarnar in 2. And then Jarvan, Nidalee, Nunu, Olaf, Rengar, and Vi each have been played once. Yeah. So, 1, 2, 3. 11 total champions. Yeah. In the jump. And, and I think that a lot of those... And not were, one Evelyn. Yeah. Like, like I don't think we're going to see another Rengar. I think we could all agree that didn't work out very well. I, I think other than Clear Love, I can't imagine anyone playing Nunu. And I would only play Clear Love on... Uh, I would only like Clear Love's Nunu because Clear Love's the best Nunu player in the world. It's not particularly <laughs> close. It's but, so uh, troll. It's, it's so troll, but he's so good at it. And I will say that there's this kind of... I, I guess the one thing that would lead me away from... Nunu right now, is that counter-jungling is a thing no matter what champion you're on right now. It's one of the things I found interesting. Like, a lot of these uh, these jungle starts, you start in the enemy jungle, so you can take as many different buffs as you can and then rotate down to fast-push those towers. So I don't know how much you need particular counter-jungling experts, because that's already something that is naturally happening based on the early-game playstyle. Right. Which, which, that said... I'm still waiting for someone to say, oh, well, the enemy team's probably going to be here at this time, so let's just gank and kill them and get that early, you know, kind of like a delayed level one or level two team fight. Like, that's something that I think could be exploited because some team's just completely off guard. They only have two guys in the area. You, you might lose more than it's worth. I'm not sure, but there's got to be a way to do it. If you have, like, a really good dueling jungler. I don't know. I'm theory crafting now, and that's really not my strong suit when it comes to League of Legends analysis. So, I guess I'll say this, Walter. If there's one thing you really want to see next week, not talk about any, you know, individual teams because we'll we'll break down all these groups uh, before the uh, games next week. But is is there any? If there was any one thing that you can make sure happens, what would it mm. be? I want teams to figure out other counter picks. Um, for the top lane, I want them to start playing the AP top laners. Mm-hmm. I think that is a, a very, uh, you know, the meta has been very secular. It goes in a circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can identify where certain things happen. Um, and this just seems like one of those flows in the circle that, you know, it's either going to go to everyone's just going to start playing just super late game tanks like Mundo. And we're going to see Mundo and Maokai come back, and they're just going to try and be really safe and just farm up and kind of let the the these juggernauts fall off. But the problem with that is there's, there won't be any patch changes, mm-hmm. so I don't think that's the case. Or you go to the other thing, which is playing AP top laners to, uh, to kind of bite them in the butt, like to counter them, yeah. not bite them. Uh, counter them uh to counter them in the top lane because they have the range like the only one of these kind of juggernaut top laners that's been played a lot is nar and he's the only one with range um but you can still exploit that like the second he goes into his 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 mega nar you just abuse him uh so i think the the play style that uh that orion is playing in is way more is like really conducive to that kind of exploiting the juggernauts playing these kind of ap top laners and go after teams that way because top lane is the it's the snowball that's where if you want to win a game you have to win it in the top lane yeah no i i agree with you for sure i'd love to see some more stuff there i want to see what happens when nar is banned and darius is locked in and they're like crap we can't go with the super safe nar choice um which i think there will be nor- more nar bans next week for that very reason i think a lot of people are realizing how good nar is in that particular kind of darius matchup especially 
and uh, and maybe we'll see more bands in that direction to try to open that up a bit. And within those openings comes the ability to create some more interesting stuff. I want to see I want to see whether we stick to this hyper carry AD carry meta, or if there's room for someone like a Twitch. You know, Twitch got buffs right before Worlds. Nope. We were talking about how good he could be in the right kind of skirmish situation. I want to see it's, if anyone like an AHQ could make use of him. It's it's not about they aren't playing these particular champions because they want these late. It's not that they're going for late game hyper carries. It's the it's siege engines. Right. That's how they're playing them. Like other than like Callista and and like Vayne and the like, but they're playing the. Um, they're playing the the Jinxes and the Tristanas, and I will go back to Oracle's Elixir to see the exact eighty carries. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, ten games of Callista, eleven of Tristana, nine of Sivir. Um, where's Jinx? Four only four games on Jinx. So I think Jinx will probably see an uptick yeah. uh, in games, but it's not really. They aren't really going late game hyper carries. They're going like siege engines and team fight. Right. So. Sivir and Callista are all about team fighting because you have AOE kind of auto attack uh, auto attacks with when you go Rudons on Callista and when you use the Ricochet, and they have team fight centric ultimates uh, in the the Sivir ultimate the the on the hunt and the Callista um, catapult thing. I don't know what it's called, but the catapult essentially. Um, so I think we'll probably still stay with those, but we'll probably see Jinx be played a little bit more. That's fair. I just I was I was really excited when I saw the Twitch butts coming in, especially for Imp, just because he's so good at making a lot of good use of that champion. I would not mind seeing a Twitch game and seeing if maybe you can allow those those skirmishes and some of those you know to 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 win some two v two lanes in a way that makes up for the fact maybe you don't have the siege potential quite as much, but maybe you can get more out of it if you're already going to lose that siege battle anyway. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see um, exactly what changes we. Uh, what changes come to the forefront. But I do know that given how many different champions we've seen, I expect to see a lot of changes coming next week. And this is going to be another one of those examples, I think, of you know going into this tournament, we thought we had all these large sample sizes that gave us all this info about you know where this, these groups were going to go. And now we're realizing that you know none of that really mattered. And next week, maybe these three games that we saw won't matter as much. Who knows yeah. in this world's... <laughs> Anything is possible. But, uh, Walter, before we head out, I guess uh, we should probably let people know where they can find us if they want to talk to us. Where can they find you on Twitter? I'm uh, at C80s underscore LOL. And I am uh, at Red Shirt King. We love talking to you guys. Sorry we couldn't live tweet yesterday, but as we said, we took the one day to sleep so we could really restore ourselves and, and go do this podcast to make it up for you guys. Um, but we will be back on Wednesday – because we have to preview the Group A matches. We haven't quite decided how we're going to handle the gambling for that, whether we're going to you know, do our unicorn bets all at the beginning of the day or if we're going to try to adjust a little bit more as the games go live. i got to talk with uh, the people at Unicorn about that because I don't know how much they really adjust on a game-to-game basis and those kind of things. Yeah. But, uh, but we'll figure that out, and we'll see if I can make up that terrible 225 unicorn deficit I'm in right now. Oh, feels so good, mate. Feels so good. Oh man. Well, and I can't even have. I don't even have the guest the Lions title right now because we're tied three to three. Next nope. next week's got to be a big week for me. Uh, hopefully, you guys will will tune in to see if I can uh, if I can bring it back. And until then, goodbye, internet.